Welcome to Psych Talk. I am your host, Jessica Lee, a licensed clinical psychologist and self-growth coach for women in helping professions. It is my mission to motivate, inspire, and educate you on everything psychology and self-growth. Whether you are a mental health professional or student in the social science field, are interested in psychology and mindset shifts, or are just interested in gaining skills and knowledge to grow into the best version of yourself, this podcast is for you. My hope is to provide you with knowledge and skills that you can implement in your daily life that add up to make a big impact. So let's dive into today's episode. Hey everyone, welcome back to Psych Talk. I am super excited for you to join me for today's episode. So today I have actually my first male guest ever, Ellie Weinstein, who is a psychotherapist. So welcome, Ellie. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. I get that all the time. Like this is my first male guest. I get so excited about that. I'm so honored. Uh, Thank you so much for having me. Well, and you're, you're welcome, and I'm super excited, especially given what we're going to talk about today. So before we jump in, do you mind introducing yourself, a little bit about your background and what yeah, you do? sure. So I'm a therapist out in New York, uh, married for about five years, have a 15-month-old baby, um, and just really working hard day in, day out, almost getting my LCSW, just submitted my paperwork yesterday. So fingers crossed, I'm waiting for the test. And uh, hope to have a private practice in the future and um, see where life takes me, you know? That's awesome. Well, good luck. I'm sure you will do great. That is very new, like yesterday. Yeah, very new. Yeah. Um, yeah. So what are your, some of your clinical interests as a psychotherapist? So it's just interesting that the work that I've done so far, I used to work in a psych hospital um, for about, you know, nine, 10 months as an internship, which like opened my eyes to the world of psychotherapy and medication and, and the insurance and all the issues that go into that and the pros that go into that. And then I've been working with like community clinics for the past couple of years. So I've never really had an opportunity to work with the people that I love to work with. And my love and expertise and passion is like 13 to 30, like the teenage young adults kind of window that I find just unbelievable. Awesome. Awesome. So we have some similarities. So I worked, my, my internship was in a psychiatric hospital as well. So that opens up and um, I don't work with as old as 30, but um, teenagers to like 24 is my um, age range that I like. So, um, and I know before we were talking, um, preparing for this podcast and everything, you specifically said one of your areas of interest and expertise is men's mental health. And I'm assuming men falling in that 13 to 30 age range. So can you broadly talk about why you think men's mental health is important and why it's important to carve out a space specifically for men in the mental health world? Yeah, of course. Uh, You know, as a guy, um, I have struggled with mental health myself. And found just a lack of support or groups or even male therapists. You know, the fact that I get the response of being on a podcast about, you know, therapy and psychology is like, oh my gosh, you're a dude and you're a therapist. Like what? Or when you go to a clinic or people say, oh, I've been looking for a male therapist for years. You know, that, that idea, it drives me. It really drives me. Um, and I'm very passionate about putting hopefully a good foot forward and a good um, role modeling for men and males and as a male therapist, what that means. And also 
when I do work with female um, uh, clients to give them maybe a healthier or more well-rounded viewpoint of a more emotional and uh, more common collected male that they might not have experienced in the past. So it's like really like a lot of these things going into it. And I really think that to carve a place for men who usually do not seek out therapy, who usually shy away from opening up about their vulnerabilities and emotions to kind of promote that more and more, I think gives them a space to come when they're ready. Yeah. I love that. And I totally agree with you. Like I was, when you were saying like about not having male therapists or whatever, I mean, I'm thinking of like my PhD cohort, there were six of us, there was two men, four women, my internship cohort, there's four of us, there was one male, three females. And um, even I'm thinking about like of the psychologists I currently work with, we have two men in our department. Yeah. I, I'm, at the most, at the clinic that I work at, we have like around 60 something therapists throughout the week and the different offices and, you know, mixing and matching their schedules. I think at the most we had eight males and oh, even wow. in, out of 60 something therapists. And then my, when I was in grad school, out of the 400 something people, I'm sure it was not even 10%. Um, so just interesting. And, and, and there's, I think there is a reason for that. Just the fact of the, the constructs of society regarding women, assumed to be more empathetic and loving and caring while males can't or are not as in tune or in touch with their emotional side, which is not the rule. Um, <laughs> it's not, it's not true. I, I am, one, maybe I'm an exception. I hope not. But the fact that it's just something that is like more of a female oriented job, which is fine. Beautiful. Great. Have that space. That's beautiful. And wonderful that you have that. But it also is interesting for me as a male to be in that space and to see when someone gets a male therapist, they're like, Oh, <gasps> wow, like a unicorn, <laughs> like, like this, like, you're like a magical being, like, what are you? So it is interesting for me. And uh, I find it um, it's humorous sometimes. Yeah, no, definitely. And I mean, I think you're 100% accurate with it's definitely a more like female oriented field, whether and I think that's a huge like societal thing as well to kind of like, you know, you think, unfortunately, like, oh, doctors are males. Mm -hmm. I was just and thinking nurses are females and things like and nurses are females. I, I was thinking about being a nurse at one point. I'm like, wait, I can't be a nurse. I'm a dude, which is like so stupid. Yeah. So stupid. And there are plenty of amazing male, male nurses and wonderful female doctors, you know, it doesn't matter, but it's just the, the nature, unfortunately, of the societal norms that we have accepted. But that's a whole nother conversation. And that, that is, and I, I'm, I'm, we, we're probably going to weave that in somehow through all the things we're going to discuss. Um, so you mentioned you've had your own experiences with mental health. So um, yeah. how do you feel like your own experiences with mental health, particularly as a male, has shaped your passion for men's mental health and how you would like approach working with clients, both male mm -hmm. and female? I think, you know, I, and I've opened up about this a lot and it's not like a hard thing for me to talk about. I struggle with ADHD and my bouts of anxiety here and there. And my family has had, you know, family stressors and stuff of that nature where we've gone through family therapy and my therapy as, uh, as an individual. Um, it opened my eyes to having that person or people in your life to support you that aren't family and friends, but someone who literally just has your back and is there for you in a loving, caring, understanding, non-judgmental way. And as a kid, I always wanted to work with people and it kind of pushed me towards that very intimate, um, beautiful um, relationship 
that can happen between a therapist and a client. Of course, healthy boundaries and all those wonderful things. Um, but it is a magical thing that can happen between two people when they might not have that in their life. So that's really what kind of like shaped my theory and mindset of what I wanted to do when I, when I wanted to become a therapist. That's awesome. That's awesome. And I know you talked a little bit earlier um, about like, even when you have female clients and modeling, you know, potentially being the first male in their life that has healthy boundaries or whatever it is. Um, can you speak a little more to that with like your approach to working with clients? Of course. You know, when I, I always try to create a safe, um, enjoyable environment, whether it's joking and just smiling and being a person, being a human, showing that I have struggles as well, you know, whether it's stress at home or life that I, you know, and I, that I have a chronic illness, I have Crohn's and things come up and that's, that's fine. But also when I work with, let's say females who've gone through traumas, specifically sexual trauma because of men, um, to be that first person that is a healing, sensitive, caring person who's not trying to get one over or look at them inappropriately or treat them differently or, or um, anything negative, but really just being there with them and treating them with respect. I find a beautiful experience for me as a male therapist, but also sometimes very nice for my clients. And, and sometimes that's okay if they're not, and they want to work with a female. Good, good for you. Get the help you need. But it is something that I take pride in is to be that kind of person that might be that experience for them, whether it's um, a, a male going to therapy for the first time and having that quote unquote father figure or, or buddy or bro that is clinically trained um, or a female looking for that as well. So I find that really interesting. That is true. And I'm glad that I know I asked specifically about females, but I'm glad you brought up um, males as well, especially speaking, uh, seeking out therapy the, for the first time. And I know what I'm about to ask you, we're going to get into kind of about that because we did talk about kind of therapy, psychology, social work being more of a female oriented uh, field. Yeah. But we also <laughs> know both you and I and probably everybody listening to this podcast that there is definitely more of a stigma regarding men seeking out mental health care, mm -hmm. not going to the field, but even just getting it for themselves. Um, yeah. so why do you believe there is more of a stigma? And then um, when talking about mental health or seeking out mental health and what specific issues have you seen men struggle with that maybe we mm -hmm. as a society don't really talk about, think about, address? Yeah, of course. I love that question. It's so loaded. Um, and I think just to backtrack for a second, when I was studying um, diagnostics in grad school, the, I, I can't remember the exact you know, statistics. And I don't want to throw out fake numbers um, and totally miss, um, take, it for, you know, uh, take it the wrong way. But there is statistics that show that when there's more common mental health in men, but it's, when it's less common in women, but more aggressive in women. So the symptoms are more intense in the female clients that we see and not as common statistically diagnosed compared to men, the diagnosis is more common, but it's kind of calmer, um, the uh, symptoms. So just interesting when you just think of, because I don't know, I have a caseload of, let's say 30 to 40 people, let's say, mm -hmm. and majority of them are women, because I think women have an inclination to get help, to get support, to get, to grow, to change, to work, to find out what new paths and skills they can learn to, be, to better themselves, while men are not as inclined to do so. I don't know why. It's an interesting thing that I don't, and I don't think it comes from laziness. I don't think it's, oh, I'm too tired for this. 
it's more of not a priority on their minds. The priority is providing, doing, going, fixing, and not wait, I need to take a step back and work on myself as well. And I think that's a really unhealthy way. And when men do come, it's either they're pushed or forced by someone else, like a last ditch effort for a marriage or a relationship or for parenting. Or when they do come, the issues really stem around anger, emotions, and depression. I don't see, I see anxiety with males, but not as much as depression in males regarding the, fa the fact that they don't like their life or they're upset with where they are. Um, and just to put out there for a lot of people who might not know, there are other issues that men struggle with like body image. I know I struggle with that on days. I know people do um, father, being a father, being a parent and being a husband. These are things that men put on like they are stronger than and better than and they don't, it doesn't phase them, but it does. And uh, it's something that's just to be aware of for all the spouses out there that these issues actually happen to them as well. I love that. And I have so many thoughts. I was actually taking some notes to like follow up. On I got, I got mine too. I got my notes here too. Don't worry. I'm, I think that's <laughs> a therapy. I think, that's a, I think it's just a mental health professional thing of like having a pen and paper, like, oh yeah. Okay. okay. Do documenting notes. But <laughs> I love that you said um, that you feel like men and whether it comes from society and it probably comes from, from society, but like, don't recognize the need to work on themselves as well. And when you said that, I was thinking like, you know, as a female, you know, we get told by society, you know, you work, you are a mother, you do all these things, but make sure you have time for self-care and take care of yourself. And whether that, I mean, how society portrays it is like face mask and things like that, but it's- Go for a bath or something like that in a spa. Exactly. Yeah, bath and spa. But like when I was trying to, juggle like in my brain think about things like for men it's like make sure you financially provide make sure you go to work make sure you do the yard work and do all the mainly things and i mean maybe like if somebody wants to take like grab a beer with your guys and at the bar sports. and watch sports as like or work out or something yourself. but like we don't tell men to even prioritize themselves in that way it's not branded in that way. It's branded in something else. Like even if you like yard work, if you love working with your hands, like my brother loves using his hands. He loves gardening and, and, and creating. He made chairs out of wood. He loves that stuff. It's not for me. That's for him. That's something that's self-care. It's his way of disconnecting from the stresses of life and taking care of himself and, and decompressing. That's beautiful. He would never call it that. He would never call it self-care. And that's okay. I love my brother to death and he knows that. But like men, when they're watching sports or they're hanging out or having a beer, or going to the bar or, or anything that they might do, women are more, have a marketing or a more branding of this is self-care. And even if you look at social media, there are so many self-help support groups and pages and how to be uh, the best woman you can be kind of empowerment, uh, wonderful pages but for men, it's like bodybuilding and sports casters and like four motivators in this world, like Tony Robbins and, and like three other guys, like, uh, I don't know, Ed Milet and all those other people who are like these big, big deals in the male world. But for women, it's so common to consist consistently take care of yourself, which I think is so beautiful and so wonderful, but it's not the same for men. So it's just so interesting. No, no. And I, I completely agree. And even when we were just talking about like, like your brother and, um, you know, gardening and working with hands in the form of like self-care, 
we don't also ever like mention like, I don't know, the mental aspect of it, I guess. Like, you know, gardening, doing yard work is a very physical thing. Like going to a sports mm-hmm. game, hanging out with the guys is very like a social thing. Yeah. But we don't say like, what, what does the inner work yeah. look like? Um, yeah, you're right. It's like, it's just not looked at that way. It's just looked at another daily thing that you're just doing versus women take an active, thoughtful process that I am taking me time or I'm taking girl time or I'm taking whatever you call it to, to take care of myself. It's an act like in their minds, they say, or even out loud, they say, okay, I'm going to go take a couple hours for myself. Yes. Like beautiful. Good for you. Um, that's amazing. But it's just not the same terminology that we use, which could define how we take care of ourselves or what we look at as taking care of ourselves. Exactly. Exactly. And then the other thing I was jotting down when you were talking, um, kind of the things that we don't talk about, um, with men's like mental health, like, so body image, I think that is huge because, and you brought up the like bodybuilder thing. Like we think about as females and I can speak as a female, you know, you see how society portrays like models and things like that, but we don't often think about how society portrays men and how that can affect their body image, but also just like being a father and being a husband. Like we talk about maternal mental health. I actually did an episode um, with my friend Stephanie um, on maternal mental health earlier. Um, And we talk about that. We talk about postpartum depression. We talk about the changes that women's bodies go through and everything, but we don't talk about dads becoming dads. Very true. (laughs) And by the way, that's when it, when, when I actually had my first panic attack after I became a new dad and mm-hmm. that kind of like opened my eyes, one, to anxiety as a whole, but two, to the stresses of being a father. And when I started posting over the past year or so, my child's like 15 months, so a little bit over six, 15 months, just the, the feedback of other men going like, oh my gosh, what you're a dad too. Oh, you go through this. Oh, wow. And you're a therapist. Oh, like, it's like, again, like this unicorn idea, like this magical mythical concept of, wait, you can struggle as a dad. You don't have it all together. You're not the rock of the family. Like you're not just this manly man who's so strong and has it all figured out. Like, no, because being a new dad is a huge change. You're like, not just worrying about you and your your spouse or partner. You're worrying about a little baby human being who can't take care of themselves. And that's, and it's beautiful. And I wouldn't change it for the world. And there are amazing days and really rough days. But I, again, the same thing with the social media. When I was looking for those resources, it was all about mom health, mom health, mom health, mom support, mom support. And looking at my wife, who is just an amazing mother, I would not be able to be a mom. I wouldn't. I just, I, could, I can't. I, I just don't understand how you do it. I don't understand the breastfeeding and, the, and just the long nights and just the stress of like mommy, mommy, mommy. But still being daddy has its issues as well. And uh it's something that also gives me passion to post and talk about more um, and uh, give a space for that as well. Cause it's, I think so important. Oh no, I completely agree. And the fact that you said like you were seeking it out and couldn't find it. So, and then you provide that space. Like obviously you are not the only father in the world. Right. <laughs> and yeah. And the fact that you provide a space, you're also not the only father that, struggles or goes through thing. I mean, it's a change, a huge change for everyone. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I think a lot of times we forget about the partner's role and I, and even if it's a same sex couple or thing, but yeah. the, the non childbearing partner 
is yeah. still going through changes and stress. Yeah, and, and, and then once I started getting involved and posting more, then I started finding more because uh, I knew the right terms to search for and the right things to search for. And then I found all these support groups for dads. I'm like, where were these people? <laughs> like, this is great. Um, and a lot of times it's really just about hanging out and like dads just chilling and talking to each other and just having a laugh. And sometimes the groups are really supportive with regards to mental health and parenting. So you get a mix and match of a lot of different things. That's awesome. So that's kind of a good segue into how do you try to bring awareness to men's mental health? Um, and then if for any men listening to this, what advice would you have um, for men to acknowledge what's going on internally, take care of themselves, yeah. or seek out mental health care? Well, first off, I would say that it's really about talking about it more, posting about it more, writing blogs about it, getting your name out there, talking more about things like this, which is why I love being on podcasts and who knows who's going to listen to what thing when I recently got reached out by someone who I did a podcast for 10 months ago. And the guy just because of Corona happened to just be listening to more podcasts and uh, which is great for podcasts. And all of a sudden it was like, Oh, this guy, cool. The dude chat sounds great. Let me, and then looked into me and then we started talking and it's great and wonderful. But I also think that to get mental health um, awareness into like the top tiered men's, so like influencers. And I think like there are people, let's say that I know on the top of my head, like Lewis Howes and Justin Baldoni, who talk about vulnerability and emotions of men. Um, and you have people who are up there in the actor world or the musical world who are opening up more about their mental health, whether it's like people like uh, sports, like athletes, like Kevin Love, Paul George, and even um, Dax Shepard opening up about his sobriety recently and really on his podcast, really giving his vulnerability and emotions and talking about his crying and his pain. That's what we need. Like we're humans. And I think that's the next point. We're humans, right? Men are humans. Women are humans. No matter what gender you identify as, you are a human. And that's beautiful and wonderful. So you are literally built with emotions and feelings. No matter if you want them or not, whether they suck or they don't, you got them and you can't live without them. So being a male doesn't make you any different than anyone else. It's the fact of how you look at them. It's not a weakness. It's not a suffering. It's not, you are not less, any less of a man or any less masculine for having emotions and feelings about things in your life. So why not get help to deal with them? You can't deal with it on your own. You can't shove it down deep because in the end, like most people realize about men, it's like the classic mental health thing about men is anger. Mm-hmm. Realize it's a classic thing. Oh, he's such an angry dude. Or like he yells a lot. It comes from the fact that you're not talking about the stuff or comes out of you being so pulled away. You don't talk about things and you isolate, which is like the classic Dr. Gray, uh, men are from Mars, men are from Venus, like cave theory, right? Yeah. Um, all those kind of things. So the idea really is for men out there who are listening, you're human. You have feelings and emotions. It's amazing and wonderful. Appreciate that, accept that. And if you really can't do it on your own, which I'm sure you can't, Get help from someone, talk to someone, whether it's a friend or a buddy, it doesn't have to be a mental health professional, but it's great if it is, but start talking about it and don't be embarrassed. It's, you shouldn't be ashamed of having emotions because every other person does, whether they want to admit it or not. Yeah, no. And I, I love that. We all are <laughs> all human, but I love that you brought up like anger or like complete withdrawal. And one thing- It's like that... extreme. It's like this explosion mm -hmm. or this like nothing. It's like, there's no middle. 
there, there's no middle. And I think like, like you so beautifully pointed out, it's because you aren't talking about anything. So that anger that comes out could be years of holding things in, whether it's traumas from childhood, whether it's just how, you know, well, my dad was such a manly man and he didn't mm-hmm. ever cry. And so I know I'm not supposed to cry. And then like you said earlier, um, when we were chatting, like a lot of times it takes men, you know, their marriage is falling apart. So their partner is convincing them to go or like something really bad happens. And like, it doesn't need to be that way. And it's probably going to be better if you don't wait till that like explosion point or everything's falling around. And that goes for anything, but especially, you know, Men, like, I mean, and you probably say this, I always say this to like the parents of the teens I work with, like early intervention is the best intervention. Like you don't have to wait until you get in that bar fight when you're hanging out with the dudes <laughs> getting <laughs> beers as self-care because that's what society wants yeah. you to um, and like feel. And I love your advice about even if you're just starting with like a friend, because that's one thing. I mean, obviously I'm not a man but like talking with my husband he's like we don't really like him and his friends don't really talk about emotions no we don't it's just you know it's funny growing up I was always the guy who had all the friends that were girls you know because mm-hmm. I was like the emotionally in tune guy and they're like oh he's such a rare breed like we need to talk to him but at the same time as a guy having friends who are guys I have like three or four friends that I can count on my hand that I know I can rely on them when it comes to emotional support because they're like that. They like to share, they like to talk. And sometimes I'm jealous of my wife that she has that and she has like every friend's like that. And sometimes that can be a lot. Yep. And sometimes it can be a lot of drama and confusion and just all over the place. But you know, you can go to any friend and not feel ashamed and go, you know, crying or, or happy or whatever the emotion is, no matter what extreme or amount, it's not looked at as judgment or shame or weird, but normal. Mm-hmm. And like I said before, there should be no shame. You're human. Having emotions is, is part of who you are. It's just a fact of acceptance of those emotions and people being okay with it. Mm-hmm. And if I can go to my friend and say, hey, I'm really not doing well. And they go, yeah, let's talk. Like that should be accepted and, and appreciated and not what's wrong with you. Keep it in, stifle it, put it down. Don't, you know, go get a beer and just be okay. Like, no, it's not going to help me. So it's just interesting how that happens. No, I completely agree. And I know we've talked about societal influence and things like that, but I definitely think that plays a huge role. And I know you were identifying like a lot of, you know, more prominent or famous men and sports and everything talking about. And um, one thing I've noticed just on like television and stuff. So before quarantine, when like TV shows were still being (laughs) made and stuff like (laughs) a a million little um, things. Yeah. Or, um, I love that show. Or this is us. This is us. That's what I was just about to say. But like those are, and granted, I'm sure there's other shows out there, but like two shows I love because I feel like they actually talk about men's mental health and also black men's mental health, which is a whole nother conversation. conversation. There's the culture of that and, and, and sharing alone in that culture is just a very, a totally interesting study that goes into it. But I love those shows and I'm not trying to ruin any show. Uh, if you haven't watched it yet, you should have watched it already. You've been in Corona. You have nothing else to do. You should be binge watching all these great shows. No, you shouldn't do that. But when it comes to like a million little things, just it wasn't just the fact of, of his depression or suicidal ideations and then eventual suicide. 
sorry for the spoilers, that it was also the effect it had on the other people in the family that was so actually real and pretty accurate and normal from what I've seen as dealing with families of suicide. And then also the men and the son mm-hmm. uh, and, and, you know, and his sexual orientation and how yeah. that filled in with the law. And it was just, and then this is us with the anxiety and, and, you know, I actually, not to name drop, I actually was working out in a gym in LA once and Sterling K. Brown was there. That's and awesome. I got to chat with him for like a second. I don't know why he was in LA fitness because <laughs> you definitely have more enough money to be an Equinox or something cool like that or personal trainer, but no, no judgment. You do you, if you want to feel like you're like under the radar. And he asked, he like, he tapped me on the shoulder and asked me to use the machine I was using. And I wanted, to, I had like all these witty lines in my head and nothing came out. And I was just like, you're beautiful. Um, and I love you. And he's one of my favorite actors. He really yeah. is and seems like a really good person. Uh, and um, it's amazing for him to have that opportunity and role to share that and do that for one, the black community and two, for men mm-hmm. and mental health. I think it's wonderful. Yeah, no. So uh, when you were talking, I, I agree. And I love those shows. And I think that goes back to just us being in the mental health field. But yes. I think also having more things like that, uh, you know, in primetime television of, yeah, okay, it's acting and stuff, but if we can more so normalize men's mental health, men seeking mental health, um, that will help as well. Because we have to break this. Yeah, and I think that there's, you know, there is like theories and like, I'm sure there's amazing sayings that I can't think of the full quote right now about how television or media or movies um, is trying to parallel reality. And I think that if that's where it's going, I think it's doing a beautiful job with opening up conversations about, let's say, LGBTQ community, um, you know, marriage and what the concepts of love are, um, whether it's um, suicide and mental health, um, men's mental health, um, all those things. Uh, I think all those kind of conversations that people don't like to have with their families or talk about with other people, and they're giving a space for that. And um, in a beautiful way, not tainted or inappropriate or disgusting or skewed by whatever media you might listen to or watch or whoever you're talking to, but something that's pure. And it's, and I think it's wonderful and amazing. It really is. No, I, I completely agree. And I hope that post-coronavirus, when people are like filming again, that's where it continues to. Fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I think This Is Us is coming back soon. Not that I, I, I'm not sponsored by them, but I wish I was if you're listening. I, I saw that. I saw that <laughs> like November, I think, or something. Yeah. I, I was super yeah. excited. Um, yeah. So one thing I kind of going um, back. So since the majority of my listeners are female, um, yeah. do you have any advice or like tips for those of us with male partners or male friends with regard to mm-hmm. how to support and encourage the males in our lives if they're if we feel like they're struggling with their own mental health or if they come mm-hmm. to us and they're like hey i want to talk first of all if that ever happens if a guy ever says hey i want to talk that's amazing and i commend that person first of all and and second of all i really love this question because i think it's so important to give both sides of the story and kind of help people um get a view of the other the other whoever that is a culture religion ethnicity and gender um So when it comes to the men in your life, I think it's really about creating a space that is loving and caring and non-judgmental to be able to say to someone that if they do have that, when someone says, hey, you know, I'm not really having a good day, instead of just like jumping and asking questions and trying to fix and deep dive and look and ask and attack on all sides, not in a malicious or mean way, just out of interest, because it's so rare and far between that they do that, but to kind of sit back and listen 
and give them that space, they will come back for more. Also, you know the men in your life. So it's really about being in tune. And usually women are more in tune to these things than men are about being perceptive and noticing changes in behavior and speech patterns and voice and all those wonderful things that men sometimes are blind to. So pay attention. So if you see that your men is acting a certain way, normally their baseline is quiet and they're even quieter or they're more talkative and more intense or aggressive in their behaviors and activities. Or if usually they are talkative and now they're hiding a lot more. The little changes doesn't mean that it's the end of the world. doesn't mean that something's wrong to the point of no return. But the fact that you're in tune and go over them and say, hey, I noticed X, Y, and Z is different. Are you doing okay? Simple question, not judgmental and not saying, hey, what are you doing? What's wrong with you? Um, but more of like a loving, caring, I'm worried about you. And if they do want help, there are so many resources right now, especially now in Corona with teletherapy. You can have therapy from, your, from the bathroom if you wanted. I really don't do that. I had a client do that uh, had a, in their bathtub and I said, I'm sorry, I can't. I'm sorry, this is really inappropriate. Uh, and they're like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought we would do it. It's teletherapy. I'm like, that doesn't work that way. Um, it, yeah, I, didn't, I, I turned off the phone. Um, but okay, <laughs> I did not continue the session, I promise. Um, but when it comes down to it, you can do it from your bedroom. You can do it from your living room now. It's so accessible that you can go on psychology today or Google therapist in my area and just ha start having conversation, get a consultation, have that first intake or that thing to see and just try. Because sometimes talking to the person that you love the most or you care about the most, whether it's your spouse or partner or best friend, might not be the best person to talk to. Um, but to have someone who's the only thing they care about is your well-being, I think is a, a beautiful thing. And to have an hour a week or 45 minutes a week to have that for yourself is very special. So uh, that's my little, my little piece and plug for therapy. No, I mean, it, it is so important. And I think going back to, you know, what we were talking about earlier, just, just like, you know, men either act out angrily or withdraw and stuff. And like, and this applies to any, anybody, but I think important for men to hear, like something doesn't need to be like really wrong to see. You don't need therapy. to be broken. You don't need to be broken to go to therapy. You can just be human. You don't need to be broken. People think like, oh, I need to be seeing like hallucinations and, and hearing voices and I need to be suicidal and, and so stressed that I can't function. Yeah, those are extreme cases and that does happen. And I deal with those people too. But the, the regular Joe Schmo or Josephine Schmo, whatever you want to call it, or anyone who comes into your office who just wants to talk to someone and want help with self-esteem, processing their emotions, their thoughts, their feelings, going back to what they were as a child and now and changes of life. You don't have to be quote unquote crazy or insane, which I hate those words anyway. Um, you just have to be a person who wants help. Um, and it just, uh, it's such a bad, it's such a bad rap that therapy has. Oh no, it definitely is. And I mean, with, with what you just said um, a couple minutes ago about like having an hour, 45 minutes a week to yourself, like who, I mean, there's people that don't like to talk about themselves, but innately as humans, we like to talk about ourselves. And it's like, imagine having like 45 minutes or an hour to just talk about yourself and having a non-judgmental, non-biased person yeah. listen and validate. It's a crazy concept, but it happens every <laughs> single day in my office, you know? And, you know, it's funny that you say that. I think Dale Carnegie, like the speaker back in the, the 50s, I think he did a study that the most liked word in the dictionary is your name oh really that like 
like you as a person love hearing your name more than any other word that anyone could use because it means that you, you like if you meet someone and you say hi and you know their name right off the bat mm-hmm. you already have them in your pocket because how often people forget your name oh yeah or or don't remember who you are or don't notice you but to feel noticed and heard is like this this very like magic potion to cause someone to be attentive and and uh, kind of locked in to what you're about to say. No, and when you were just saying that, so one thing my dad. So speaking of men, um, had always has always done since I was a small child. Whenever we go out to a restaurant, if the waiter or waitress didn't offer their name, he would say, "What's your name?" and made it a point like, "Thank you," whatever their name is. And you could tell, like sometimes, like the wait staff would be like, "Wait, what?" they're calling me by my name or like they care enough to yeah ask well usually when customers ask for names it usually is for to like make a complaint like i want to tell them that max was a terrible person or like you know whatever who it is like no but like it's it's like a it's not to be mean it's not to be demeaning to anyone who has any job it's more of like you're important and i'm showing you attention whether it's the cashier or the janitorial staff at your job or the secretaries or the office workers that you work at just to like point out and say every morning, like, hey, this person, I'm not going to name drop it, the people that work in my office, not fair for them, right? <laughs> just like, and you go through the list, hey, how are you doing? It just means that you're paying attention to another person other than yourself. And that is what therapy is. It's someone, it's you having an opportunity to talk about yourself and someone actually care about you and be attentive and in tune to you, which doesn't happen very often in this world. No, exactly. Because we're all waiting to talk about ourselves when we're in conversation with other people. So totally, I love that. And, you know, especially going back to what we were talking about earlier with men, just not really sharing emotions with each other and things like that. So especially if you're a male and you have a desire to share those emotions, but don't feel like you can, therapy is a great option. Nothing has to be wrong, quote unquote, with your emotions, but like, you know, or a life change, like you said, becoming a new dad or even, you know, getting married and feeling a little nervous about it. And, you know, we talk about like pre-wedding jitters and stuff, but we don't think about like, oh, maybe somebody could actually help us process or preparing to be a dad or a new job. You know, I really want to, you mentioned at the very beginning, like you hope to open your own private practice one day. Like that's a huge life transition. Yeah, I have no idea how I'm going to deal with that. <laughs> it's, it's stressful. Yeah, or talk. It's just talk to people because life happens and stresses. You know, even I'm not trying to get political here, but even like politics is a stressful thing, right? Oh, yeah. Religion and your life is a stressful thing. If that if that's important to you, where you live, your children, school systems, all these things that go on, loss and death, um, Corona. I think the majority of the intakes I'm doing right now is all about Corona and the life changes that they've had to make. That doesn't, no one's broken because of Corona. They're not now psychotic Mm -hmm. or have these psychotic symptoms. It's the fact that life is not the same. What the hell do I do? Mm -hmm. No, no. That's what it is. So Corona. So today three, I had three new patients and Mm -hmm. all of them said the same phrase of since Corona, since Corona, or like since COVID, but yes. And I mean, yeah. mental health. Well, good for you. Good for you that you had three new clients. That's great. Well, I work in a hospital, so I get new <laughs> patients all the time. Well, good for the hospital. But yes, yeah, since Corona was like the, 
like sure. I think all three of them said it. It's like, you know, going back and take history. Well, this was going on, but since Corona. Yeah. Like, why now? Why are you coming to therapy? Oh, well, I've had anxiety for a while, but since Corona, yeah. things have gotten worse. It's like, okay. Exactly. And even for yeah. people that didn't have pre-existing mental yeah. health concerns, being isolated and especially like we both work with some teens going at school, being away from friends, all that kind of stuff. Mm. If your support system's taken away from you. What do you have? Exactly. Um, yeah. So this has been a wonderful conversation, but obviously I want to give you an opportunity if there's anything I haven't asked about that you would like to touch on. I'm sure there's plenty, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm saying that's a very open-ended conversation. Let's talk about everything that we didn't talk about. No, I think that, uh, I think just the main, the main point is that um, as being a male or female or whatever you identify as you're a human and therapy should be accessible and is accessible nowadays. Um, and it's something that is not a downfall or a failure, but an opportunity for you to learn more about yourself and about your life and to grow and to become a greater person for yourself and for the world around you. So, uh, definitely worth a shot and try it. Um, it doesn't mean you're any less, put together or, or, and no one has to know. It doesn't have to be anyone else's business. It's just you taking care of yourself, which is something that we need to focus on more nowadays. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Well, thank you so much um, for joining me today. This was a wonderful conversation. Like I said, at the beginning, you're my first male guest and getting and the last one, never more, <laughs> never I mean, first written, and only written, written in history. I'm the only male on the show. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> but, and getting, you know, cause I could talk about men's mental health from like what I learned in school, but it's really nice hearing it from somebody who is a male, is a male therapist, but also is a male who has gone through his own struggles and is willing to talk yeah. about it. Um, cause yeah. you get, both both sides not just as a yeah. psychotherapist but also as yeah. a human to use your words um so if people want to connect with you if they're interested in learning more or they're like oh you know even if it's a woman so like i, mm -hmm. I didn't say this on this um episode but my husband and i are expecting our first child so like if i could convince my Congrats. husband so <laughs> thank you to um to go to your instagram about how <laughs> to be a dad be a dad where can people connect with you? So first of all, I have a website called elevation.org. Um, and I have a, a Instagram called elevation underscore therapist. And I just launched a new podcast like four months ago called the dude therapist. Um, it's not just about dudes and about male things, but just my perspective as a dude therapist. And literally you can message me anytime, anywhere. Uh, there's no bad question or wrong question or concept just realize that my social media is not real therapy, but more of a place of resources and inspiration and motivation, but more than happy to help you find what you need and when you need it. Awesome. And I will link all of those in the show notes. So awesome. thank you so much, Ellie, for joining me this evening. It was wonderful chatting with you and learning that we like similar TV shows and things like that. So I, I really, really enjoyed it. Thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Thank you all for joining for today's episode of Psych Talk, and I will catch you in the next episode. Bye.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of Psych Talk. I hope you found so much value. If you loved what you heard or gained some knowledge, I would love for you to take a screenshot, put it on your Instagram stories, and tag me at Jessica Lee PhD. Additionally, I would be honored if you leave a review and five-star rating so I can continue to help this podcast grow. If you are not already, follow me on Instagram and join my Facebook community, Grow Through What You Go Through. Thank you for joining me today, and I cannot wait for you to join me during the next episode. Remember, you are loved, you are worthy, and you are braver than you know.